Good morning. Welcome to Willow Park Church. If you join us online, we are so pleased that you've taken the time to connect with us, to take the time to enjoy the service. Honestly, we do believe that God will speak to you as you open your heart this morning. We always come to worship with a heart that is prepared. We should do that. We come to worship uh, saying, Lord, yes, please come and, and speak to us, come close to us. And I know that through the worship and through the preaching of God's word, he promises that he will come close to us and will minister to our hearts. So welcome. And as we begin, let me take a moment to pray. Maybe you've come to this service and you're feeling heavy because of problems you're facing in your life. Maybe at this time you're grappling with an issue that you really need the wisdom of God to come. Well, I believe God answers prayer. I believe that prayer is the key. It transforms our lives. That when I pray and spend time with Jesus, Jesus comes close to me and he, he takes away all of my fears. He takes away all of my anxieties. He takes away all of my pain and he brings to me that, that joy. And he brings to me that life, as it says in the Greek, Zoe, that life, that life of God that comes and fills us and strengthens us. That's what I believe the Lord can do for you this morning as you join with us. If you come with an open heart, he will give you life and give you that life to the very full. Now, talking about life, talking about all things that are wonderful. Today, of course, is Father's Day. And so we are celebrating fathers in our homes. I'm sure this afternoon at some point, the barbecue will be fired up. Ribs and steak and wings will be there and our neighborhoods will be full of the lingering smell of food as we celebrate our fathers, as we celebrate. And fathering is such a gift. I'm a father. Many of you who are listening are fathers. You may even be grandfathers. Some of you may be great grandfathers. What a privilege it is to be a father. And all the research talks about the reality that really, really the power of being a father is in our ability to be authentic in our love. Authentic in the way that we respond. Not judgmental but authentic in terms of the way that we engage, the way that we connect, the way that we spend time, the way that we invest. It does remind me of that great, that great parable of the lost son who went away and left the father. But the real power of that parable is the heart of the father. That he was looking for his son continuously with the binoculars of compassion. He was waiting for the return. And when the son returned, he ran towards him, which was culturally unacceptable and bizarre. But he ran to him. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him repeatedly and hugged him. I'm really glad that God's not English. Because if that story had been told... In England, it would be that the son would be made to walk to the front door and ring the doorbell. 
The father would wait. Then there would be an awkward silence as the door was opened. And then the son would be invited in and the son would have to begin his groveling routine. But God's not like that. And even I learned so much from that story about being a father. That I want to be always looking with eyes of compassion and grace and love. That I want to be enthusiastic and run towards. That in my life, I want to receive and give blessings to my children. So Father's Day, say a prayer for our fathers and remember that ultimately, although we can forget this, our ultimate father is God who has adopted us, who's enthusiastic about us and loves us. That gives me a good reason to worship the Lord today. So Father, bless us as we begin this service on Father's Day. Be with us. We thank you, Lord God, for all the dads that are out there. And we pray that you will bless them, encourage them, give them a great day. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we listen to your word and listen to the worship, that you may lift us up and that we may in clear and direct terms experience the word of God changing our lives, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Enjoy the worship. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Church Online. We're so glad that you joined us. I'm Curtis. This is my buddy Josh and Luke and Rachel. And we're here to lead you in some worship. And we're so grateful you're here. We're so thankful. I'd just like to open in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this awesome time. Thank you that your spirit joins us all together. No matter where we are, we are gathered together in your name. Christ, you are above me. Christ, you are below me. You're to my right. You're to my left. You're in front of me and you're behind me. Christ, be all around me. As I rise, strength of God, go before, lift me up. As I awake, eyes of God, look upon, be my sight. As I wait, Heart of God, satisfy and sustain as I hear voice of God lead me on, be my guide, be my guide above and below me. Before and behind me, in every eye that sees me, Christ be all around me, above and below me, before and behind me, in every eye that sees me, Christ be all around me. As I go of God, my defense 
by my side as I rest breath of God fall upon bring me peace bring me peace above and below me before and behind me in every eye that sees me Christ be all around me above and below me before and behind me in every eye that sees me Christ be all around me Christ be all around me Christ be all around me Your life, your death, your blood was shed For every moment, every moment Your life, your death, your blood was shed For every moment, every moment, your life, your death, your blood was shed. For every moment, every moment, your life, your death, your blood was shed. For every moment, every Christ be all around me, above and below me, before and behind me, in every eye that sees me, Christ be all around me.
break the chasm that lay between us how high the mountains i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to bear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living home. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, release salvation Yours, he 
He became sin Who knew no sin That we might become His righteousness He humbled Himself Carried the cross Love so amazing Love so amazing Jesus Messiah Name above all names Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah. Lord of all His body the bread His blood the wine Broken and poured out All for love The trembled And the veil was torn Love so amazing Love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. For sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. All our hope is in you. Sinners, the ransom from hell. 
taking all of my sin, all of our sin to the cross. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you did with that and what you do with that. You give us freedom. You give us life. You give us hope. You give us this connection with the Father. You give us the church. You give us forgiveness. And you give us your righteousness, which we don't deserve, but thank you. Thank you for that. We'll take it. Bless us all. Bless the rest of this service. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Enjoy the rest of the service, folks. God bless you. Jesus Messiah. Jesus Messiah. He is our Messiah. Everything, that very statement is, is amazing. Because the Messiah was to come... And to liberate. Of course, the Jewish nation expected a kind of Alexander the Great figure. Somebody that would arrive on a horse. Somebody that would come and would drive the Romans out. And reestablish the greatness of Israel at the time of King Solomon. That they would become this superpower. Because they had a super leader that would rule the region. God had bigger plans than that. Through Christ, the Messiah, he would live and show us how to be truly human. He would show us how to be the kind of believers we should be, to walk in the spirit. And then he would go on the journey to the cross. And as you take your emblems for this moment, we hold the bread and we're reminded that he came to redeem us, to save us, to pay the price for my sin. You see, I cannot solve the problem of sin within my life. But Jesus paid the price and took my place so I can be free from the power of sin and I can be fully forgiven. Christ is our mediator. He mediates in heaven today and he continues to mediate and to bring the continuous work of forgiveness into people's lives. So, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. And I thank you for this bread that I'm holding and I pray you'll bless the bread. All that people are holding. Bless in the name of God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, and thank you that your body was broken for me. That you went to the cross for me. I remember 
your sacrifice and give thanks. The body of Christ, eat it in remembrance of him. There is something remarkable about forgiveness that creates a profound knowledge and sense and understanding within our lives that we are clean and new, full of that life. And that is achieved, that forgiveness, that atonement is achieved through the blood of Jesus shed upon the cross and his resurrection. And Father, we thank you for this cup. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Drink it. Hallelujah. Lord, come and bless us now. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the purchase of Thank you that we were once bankrupt, but now we are forgiven and alive. Thank you that we are no longer orphaned, but we are sons and daughters of the living God. Fantastic news. Amen. Well, let's go over to the Willow News and find out what is happening in our church at this time. Thank you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. We have a lot of exciting things happening for kids this summer here at Willow Park Church. Kids Church is now happening at all three of our locations and Kids Camp and Preteen Adventure Camp are coming up in July. To be able to do all this, we need a whole lot of volunteers. Join the Kids Church team today by signing up at willowparkchurch.com slash kidsteam. Registration is now open for our in-person kids camp happening July 26th to 29th. This half-day camp will be lots of fun for kids age 4 to completed grade 4. But that's not all. We're also running a preteen adventure camp for kids who have completed grade 4 or 5. This camp is happening in the afternoons on July 26th to 29th and will include activities at the church as well as an off-site adventure every day. At this time, we are looking for at least 30 more volunteers to help make these camps possible. If you can help, please register as a volunteer on the Kids Camp or Preteen Camp sign-up forms on our website. Our Willow Park Church Campout is happening July 5th to 16th, and we will have special activities planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. There are some tent sites still available, and just in case you're wondering, tents and trailers are both welcome to park in a tent site. Visit our website to register today as space is limited. We are pleased to announce that we will be running our ARC Youth Summer Camps at a brand new location at Pines Bible Camp in Grand Forks. Our Junior High Camp is happening July 5th to 9th, and our Senior High Camp is July 12th to 16th. Register today at cahoots.ca slash ARC. 
That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. We are so happy you are joining us at our 9 and our 11 o'clock service. And happy Father's Day. We've just been enjoying uh, chatting about Father's Day here live at the Willow Park Church South. And uh, we just hope and pray you have a wonderful dad. As I said, best day of the year by far. I actually celebrated my Father's Day yesterday because Sundays is kind of a work day for pastors. And so we had a lovely, lovely time. So if you've got your, the, your Bibles with you, I just encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians. Last week, we talked about how everybody uh, has a gift to contribute and how we need one another. You need me. I need you because there's aspects of your experience in God that, uh, that I don't, I don't actually necessarily receive unless I receive them through you. We all hear from God, experience God very, very differently. And so we started talking about gifts of the Spirit, and we jumped into some of the theology around what that meant. And as I said last week, I was praying about whether or not this week to go through all the many different gifts listed throughout the New Testament and give a short breakdown as to what each of these gifts meant. But as those of you who have been around long enough and you've been listening to me for many years now, you know that every sermon, one of the biggest questions I ask is the so what. This is great information. So what? How does this actually apply to my life? How does this help me when I leave these doors and go into the, quote, real world, although it does feel unreal right now, but how does it apply? And so I was praying through what I should be speaking about, and I really felt like I should center in on one particular gift that the Lord has given to the church, uh, which, and I will explain to you why that is. This one gift is, is, is a special gift because last week I said that the scripture says that we should come to church ready to contribute, not just to receive. And if you remember, I said that church on a Sunday or on a Saturday or whenever you might gather for kind of biblical community is an important priority in our lives because it means we can come and hear the word of God, that we can come and contribute, and then we go into the world having been championed and encouraged and kind of ready to take, uh, take it on. And so how do we actually contribute? How do we do that? And I explained that contribute doesn't just mean doing the church chores, if you like, as good as they are. What do I mean by that? Well, the, the kind of the infrastructure, the kids' work, the welcome desk, uh, the media, the sound, the worship, all these things are really important and enable us to feel championed, encouraged to go into the world. But how do we contribute spiritually in our world? Things are going really well. Praise the Lord. Can I keep going? All right. Uh, how do we contribute in our real world? Well, this, this passage really gives an indicator on how all of us can contribute in a powerful way. And Jesus said, the Bible says, that he will be the one that causes growth. So we're to come to church to receive and contribute. We want to be an and church. We want spirit and we want the Bible. We want to be orthodox in our theology, and we are, 
and we want to be loving and accepting and accept and, and expectant of people to come through the doors. So we want to be a church of and. We don't want to be a church that disregards large parts of the New Testament because they might make us feel uncomfortable. And so let me show you the scripture we're going to camp out on this morning. And some of you might say, okay, here, here we go. This is where it's going to get crazy. This is where it's going to be a little unusual. And what I don't want to do, and I really felt this on the way as I was driving in, I don't want to defend this scripture. Spurgeon says defending scripture is like trying to defend a lion. You don't defend it, you present it. And then you allow the Lord to speak to you. I'm not going to defend this passage, this verse to you, because that is not my job. My job is to show you how this verse applies to us on a day-to-day basis and how if we really put this verse into practice, we can come to church and community groups and any gathering at all, even in your day-to-day work or in the coffee shop, you can put this beautiful gift into practice. So here we go. And I built it up well and truly now. Here's the verse. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. We're going to talk about prophecy this morning. And I want to explain to you how prophecy is well and truly part of our everyday or should be part of our everyday uh, practice, our everyday Christianity. Now, I'm sure many of you have been around church long enough, have had the unfortunate experience of somebody coming up to you with kind of a wispy, super spiritual look in their face, and they come and say, the Lord has told me to tell you something. And immediately, I go on my defensive. I'm okay, okay, buckle up. I've been around church long enough to know that sometimes, uh, many times, I've been given a quote, unquote, word from the Lord that... Sometimes it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, well, God's told me to tell you that you should do this. God's told me to tell you that you should marry me. I've heard young people hear those prophecies before. They don't end well. You know, God's told me that you need to go and serve him in Taiwan. Well, God's not told me that. And actually, I think God's telling me that you just need to go home and don't talk to me ever again. That kind of prophetic word is actually very, very damaging. And so right from the start, I want to say to you, that is not what I'm talking about. That is not what this scripture is talking about. That when somebody comes to you, and it may be very well-meaning, but gives you a word from the Lord, this is what God wants you to know, then I want to teach you this morning what you do in that circumstance, but also teach you not to quench the spirit at the times when God does want to share something with you. So a very simple way to start would be this. Does God speak? Yes, of course he does. Of course he does. Yes, God does speak. He can speak in a variety of different ways. First and foremost, as a Bible-believing church, we believe God speaks through the Bible, all of it. That's the first place we go to when it comes to the Word of God. That canon is closed. The Word of God comes through the Bible. But he also, the Bible itself tells us, he speaks through creation. He speaks to us through life. And he also speaks to us through one another, through people. So really, the question could be is this. Are there times when a thought drops into your head about someone or something? is the times, that really is what we're talking about this morning. Those times when God speaks to you 
about something or someone, or he kind of spontaneously brings a thought to mind, that then we have this, uh, we have this thought that maybe is completely outside of what was going on at that moment. What do we do with that? And I, I think that many of you, and many of you as I'm looking at this morning, have given Sarah and I beautiful words that have meant so much to us. And maybe you have received a word where you go, that's just what I wanted to hear right now. Thank you. Those beautiful moments in the life of the church is something that we all should be experiencing, receiving, and contributing. And so what Paul says in 1 Corinthians... Oh, sorry. This, let, me, let me just tell you where I'm getting a lot of my research from. One of my favorite theologians would be Wayne Grudem. He wrote a book called The Systematic Theology. And, and I, I've spent many, many, many hours in that book. What I love about that book is you can get different thicknesses <laughs> or different editions. You can get the one that, you know, you can knock out small buffalo with. It's like this thick and, you know, it's just the systematic theology that just ends all systematic theology. And then he's got the smaller edition, the smaller edition, and then the kind of the pocket edition. I highly recommend that you get that. And he would be, he wouldn't necessarily land exactly where I feel. And who am I to say in the, in the shadow of a theologian like Wayne Grudem, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says. But um, I, I would say for the most part, I feel very, on very safe grounds when it comes to Wayne Grudem. And he wrote a book about prophecy. And so what I've read this, I read this book this week, and it's absolutely brilliant. And one of the things he said in the book was this, it's really a prophecy is an impression distinct from our normal train of thinking. So you're going about your normal day, and then suddenly a thought comes to your mind about someone or something, what you do? How do you know it's from God? How does this contribute? And so what Paul said in the scripture is this, follow the way of love and eagerly, which literally means zealously, passionately desire gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to come back to that phrase in a second. Because this, actually we'll talk about now, this word gifts is really interesting. It's actually, in the original, it doesn't say gifts. What it actually says is a word that means endowment characteristic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's quite the mouthful. Why do I highlight it? I highlight it because in other areas of the New Testament where it says gifts, it literally means a specific a gift. This is like a desiring all things that the Spirit brings, especially prophecy. That's what Paul is saying. Eagerly desire all things that the Spirit brings, especially prophecy. Now, I could spend a long time explaining this next bit to you, so I'm going to fly by it. This is not the same as Old Testament prophecy. This is not the same as the gift of the prophet. This is very, very different. You could say that if you looked at prophecy in the New Testament, you've got this 1 Corinthians 14 part that we're studying this morning that is open to all believers. That's why Paul says, eagerly desire it. He's not just referring to prophets. He's talking to you and me. He's talking to the Corinthian church, which, by the way, was chaos. That church was crazy. If you think church these days is a bit bonkers, Look at what the Corinthian church were involved in. I I could give you a list of sins that were actively part of the church life that were horrific. And yet Paul says, you should be eagerly desiring this gift of prophecy. Then you've got the the gifts as in this this, uh, spontaneous words from the Lord. 
Then you've got the gift of prophecy in Romans 12, which is very different. And then ultimately you have the prophets that are referred to in Ephesians 4. And also you can go back into the Old Testament. The thing with the prophets, which is very important to know, and I really want this to dig deep into your thinking, is the prophets in the Old Testament were divinely inspired, but they were also giving the divine word of God. That is not what we're talking about. So when somebody says to you, thus saith the Lord, or God said, you just need to be a little careful with that, with that expression. There's nothing wrong with saying, I feel like God might be saying. That's all right. We're going to talk about the practical stuff later. But this, this, this is not a equivalency of scripture. Michael Green said this, prophecy is not the equivalent of scripture. Prophecy is a particular word for a particular people at a particular time through a particular person. It is not the canon. It is not the Bible. We do not speak with divine authority in the same way the prophets used to. Prophecy is the spontaneous thought that then we have an option and a choice whether or not to follow through with. So as a young man in this church, he used to work in a coffee shop. And on his break, he, uh, he was just clearing up, getting ready to go and have some uh, break time. And he just felt the Lord tell him to go and pray for this person who was sat at the table enjoying their coffee one morning. Now, this is a young man. He was maybe 18 at the time. And he immediately started to wrestle. Should I? Shouldn't I? But this is what I'm talking about. This is a prophecy and a kind of an out-of-the-blue thought that comes to mind. So he went and he sat, he, he talked to this gentleman and said, would you, would you mind if I prayed for you? He didn't know this man. And this man said, he said, do you know my story? And this young man said, no. He says, well, why don't you take a seat and I'll tell you some of my story. And this man, who is not a Christian, just told this young man his story, a horrendous story, like a story that very few people on the planet would be able to resonate with, just of absolute horrendous sadness. And then he's telling it with tears pouring down his face. And at the end of it, the young barista said, can I pray for you? And he says, yes. And he prayed for this man and said, Amen. The man was clearly, clearly touched. And, and the, the barista told him, you know, here's a church. And if you're ever interested, know more about Jesus. And then he went back on with a shift. That is contributing to our city. Is it not? That is contributing to the kingdom. That is contributing. Not just coming to church to receive. It's actively looking for ways in which you can communicate the blessing of God. It's such a beautiful beautiful gift, but it is not the equivalent of Scripture. It is not either predicting the future. It is not. That is a completely different gift. That is more of a prophetic gift, as in Romans 12 or Ephesians 4, where there is some prediction. It could be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. That is not what Paul is talking about here. As Wayne Grudem says, it is, uh, let me move on, speaking what God spontaneously brings to mind. That 
is what prophecy is. Greg Haslam said this in his book, Moving in the Prophetic. Prophecy is a phenomenon that results directly from the access the Holy Spirit has to our minds, whereby he can create pictures in our imagination and supernatural dreams while we're asleep. He can put words, ideas, and scriptures into our heads with such force that we know that there is something weighty and unforgettable going on, something that carries with it the responsibility to pass on and relay what the Holy Spirit was communicating. This is ordinary Christians speaking something that God has laid on their hearts. When you look at it in that framework, I don't think there's a Christian on the planet that could say with truth and say that this is not part of our Christian experience. That we should all be listening. We should all be ready to communicate what we are hearing to people. And there has to be some safety net. There is some boundaries. And I'll talk about that in a second. But as I'm studying this, I started to imagine in my mind's eye, what would it be like living and being in a church where we all contribute in this way? That we wouldn't be afraid to walk across the room and say, you know, I, I, I just, I have this sense that, 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 that this might mean something to you. Would you take it and think about it and pray it through? And if it doesn't, then that's fine. But I just felt I needed to communicate it to you. If we came with that mindset, not just in church, but in our world as well, then that would have tremendous impact. So how do we know that this is for us? Well, you can look right into the Old Testament for beautiful, actual prophetic words from prophets about the future. One of them would be in Jeremiah. This is the covenant. This is what God is saying. I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. See, this is where a prophet, Old Testament prophet, can say, this is the word, declares the Lord. If somebody comes to you and says, this is what God is saying to you, there needs to be some... Now, they might just be saying the wrong words. So there's no need to rugby tackle them or, you know, or drop kick them because they're heretics in that second. Listen to what they have to say. That might come later. I'm joking. Um, but listen to what they have to say because you understand this word is used a lot and it might not actually mean what they're saying. But a prophet can declare the word of the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. So when you become a Christian, we've already heard that the Holy Spirit comes into your life in such a way where you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, that you actually have a divine living in you. You don't become divine. You have the divine living in you. That's the Holy Spirit. We also know that the Holy Spirit um, may not have you all. So he's in you, but he may not be fully saturating all your life. But what it does mean is this fulfillment of this scripture comes through the Holy Spirit living in our lives. So at this moment, you have the word of God, your law written in your minds, on your hearts, through the Spirit. How do we know that experientially? That amazing moment when you're considering something that's outside of his will for you, and you just get that feeling. Do you remember when I talked about being a miserable sinner? Do you remember that a few weeks ago? That if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you may be taking part in sinful things, but it's miserable because you know there's a better way. That's this scripture. 
You see, and later on in Joel, and it's also repeated again in Acts chapter 2, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is Peter in Acts referring back to a prophecy in Joel that these days where God wants to speak, he wants to show, he wants to give us uh, words, he wants to give us impressions, he wants to give us things that come to mind for other people. But it also says in 1 Corinthians in verse chapter 13, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. So it's, it's, really, it's really important that we take note of this. Because there's this mix, and Wayne Grudem in his book really explains this really well. And I'm going to show you a scripture that proves it in just a second. But there's always this mix of what we think and our opinion with what may be put in God might be showing us in the Spirit. So we can jump to conclusions. And there's a very important story in Acts that shows this in practice. But all I know is this is that Paul in his writing expects us to prophesy. He expects us to share and contribute with one another words of the Lord. And it doesn't stop after, um, after Acts. So cessationists would believe that the gifts of the Spirit finish when the canon was closed. The problem with that is in, in first. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul actually says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away, which is kind of the poster child verse cessationists would say that when Jesus, when the canon is closed, that we don't need this imperfection, these gifts anymore. That is not what Paul is referring to because there's no mention of the canon of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. They would know that Paul is referring to when Jesus comes back. And so Paul is saying... That even though this church in Corinth is so messed up, Paul encouraged this gift. Because he knows that this gift is such a beautiful way for us to be able to contribute to his church and the community. Church was messed up in Corinth and in a certain extent it's kind of messed up now. But Paul is still encouraging us to eagerly desire this gift. And I wondered why that would be. I think in our culture, there's a very high regard on the kind of cerebral, intellectual thinking. And that seeps into the church. And I mentioned Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, and you get a lot of neo-Calvinists walking around with one systematic theology under one arm and a big hefty King James Version Bible in the other. And, And really they're going around beating a lot of people up, not experiencing, not literally, but not experiencing the Spirit of God necessarily, but being so hardline on doctrine and Bible that we miss out on so much of what the Spirit has for us. And this is such an important part of our Christian life because it's this living and active word that doesn't circumvent the Bible far from it. Far, far from it. The Bible is the ultimate authority. And every word that you are given, any impression that you receive, anything that anybody says to you needs to come under the light of the very objective word of God. But to, us, to disregard it, I think is dangerous. And dry. And it just becomes very legalistic. At best, judgmental, self-righteous, at worst. But to be continually open to what the Lord might be saying to you, for you to contribute, actually brings a living and active and beautiful aspect to our Christian lives. 
So what does it look like? Well, on a very, very beautiful and important basis, and if it ends here, that's great. I have a verse for you. Maybe you're in the middle of worship. Maybe you're walking down the road. Maybe you're just sat doing something really innocuous. You're not thinking about the Lord particularly. And all of a sudden, this verse comes to your mind. I will guarantee you that has not come from Satan. Do you know? You know that moment when you think about, it's been a while since I read my Bible. That is not an enemy at work. (laughs) That is a prompting from the Spirit. Or I really should look at this area that you know in some way aligns yourself to the best that God has for you. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you. We even use those terms that ask God and and that God has really spoken to me. But when we apply it to contributing to other people's lives, somehow some Christians get very nervous about it because of poor experience. Remember what I said right at the beginning of this gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. Let's Let's go where the evidence takes us rather than our experience. But if a verse suddenly drops into your mind, please receive that. And then maybe you say, is this for somebody else or is this for me? And if somebody just comes to mind, maybe you need to communicate that scripture to somebody. You know, where you can just can't shake. Like you've not thought about anybody. This, uh, let me start again. You've maybe not thought about somebody for years. And then all of a sudden they just pop into your mind. Where, where did that come from? Maybe that's, just, maybe that's just the Lord prompting you to pray for them. That's a good thing. Again, that's not a satanic thing. That's a good thing. We need to embrace that. We need to look for it. We need to eagerly desire it. Maybe you get a specific word. It could be one word. Peace, joy, rest. All the other just could be a specific word that you might receive for somebody. Maybe it's a phrase for somebody. Maybe it's a picture received. This one is something that I, I tend to get a lot of these, and I wonder whether it's because I am more... Um, I don't know if it's right or left side of my brain, but more art, graphic, thinking. That's how I tend to think. I'm very pictorial. You can probably tell that in my messages. It comes through. And, uh, and then maybe that's the same for you. Maybe you get a picture. And, and, and for us to go, oh, that sounds odd. We shouldn't do that. Can I just say God is in the business of doing odd things? All under, again, again, I'm trying not to be defensive, all under the canon of Scripture. But God can do remarkable things. I remember a few years ago, Sarah was um, was pregnant with with Jack, and um, and nobody nobody knew that Jack was a Jack. (laughs) We uh, we had kept it to ourselves. We'd said uh, it was quite early on in in the pregnancy, and so in in Britain we still kind of came from a frame of mind where they weren't a hundred percent sure when they told you the sex of their child. And we actually have friends who was like, we're having a boy, and then they have a girl, which is great, but it's not a disappointment, it's just a surprise. And so we were kind of holding it with an open hand, even in Canada. And so we knew we were having a boy, and we'd already decided what his name was going to be. And, uh, and so we just had that in our own relationship. Sarah was leading worship one Sunday morning at the church that we were in. And we were also leading a young adults group at the time as well. And Sarah, just as part of a worship, said, I really feel, this is an impression, this would be exactly what we're talking about. She said to the congregation, I really feel that there's somebody in the congregation who has a word for someone else. And you've never done it before. But I just want to encourage you to do that now. 
She's playing. Right, babe? Nothing happened. <laughs> like, nobody moved. And so Pi's like, oh, really? Okay, you carry on. I mean, we battle with that, right? I failed. Must not have heard from God correctly. And she moved on because Sarah's mature enough to not kind of just switch her keyboard off and go home. Just carry on. That's all right. Was it later on in the service or the next week? The next week, this young lady who, um, she was maybe 19, 20 years old, came up to Sarah and I, and she, you could see she was quaking. Sarah has that effect on people, apparently. No, she was, she was like, you could see the color in her face had gone. She was afraid, and she came up and she said, when you gave that word last week, I was listening, and I knew straight away it was me. And she said, and I have never done this before. And you could tell. You could tell. And she said, and I feel like God has told me something to tell you, Sarah. And we were like, wow, this makes me feel shivery just telling it. And she started telling us things about our boy. And you know what? She has a gift because she was quite specific about things, even though she was genuinely terrified about doing it. And she told us, some stuff. She told us what, um, he told us his name. Like what? Oh, coincidence. There's a lot of names. You know, even we live in a culture where you can make up your own name. No offense if anybody has done that. There's lots of names. She was so specific. Now that's verging on a whole different kind of realm of the prophetic and word of knowledge. My point in the story is she stepped out in faith, took a risk and followed through, and I am now almost, well, 16 years later telling you that story and hopefully it'll be an encouragement. The ripple effects is phenomenal. And it might be just something really simple, but the impact that it can have in somebody's life when we actually stand up and go across the room and say it is phenomenal. It's amazing. Maybe you've had a gut feeling. Have you ever gone into a place and it's just felt like, whoa, this is not right? Have you ever had that? Can somebody nod at me? Have you had that? You know, when you go into a shop and you can't see any reason why, and it's like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. I remember that's, that happens to me a lot. Happens to my daughter, Zoe, a lot. We just get this kind of funny feeling about something. You can't put your finger on what. That's, that's important to take note of. Some people get sensations. I've, I've heard of many people who have received, kind of get a, a feeling in the part of their body that they need to go and pray for for somebody else. That's not anything that I've, I've never had that. Or a dream or a vision. Again, I've had a couple of dreams. I've never had a vision. Uh, but again, why, do we, why close ourselves off to these beautiful gifts? Because I can promise you, I could, Sarah and I just sat this yesterday morning just chatting about some of the words that people have given us over the years. And uh, just amazing. Just amazing. We prophesy in part. There's a lot in there that you can probably shelve, but there's a lot in there to lean into and be grateful for. Paul is really clear, though. Test everything. Test everything. There's this really interesting part of the scripture in Acts 21. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. 
But uh, after we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. It's interesting that he's referred to as prophet. In the New Testament, the word prophet is not used in the same way that the Old Testament prophets are, for reasons you're going to see in just a second. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. What does Paul do? Well, I'm going anyway. You see, Paul has such a revelation from God that if it really was a true word of God, he wouldn't have disobeyed the Holy Spirit. But what's interesting is Agabus is actually prophesying in part. What it means is he's got a general impression, but he's interpreted it wrong. Because what's interesting is they weren't, he wasn't arrested by Jewish leaders. He was arrested by the Romans. That he wasn't actually handed over. They tried to kill him. And so, but in the essence of it is true. Does that make sense? And so Agabus has received this word from the Lord, but the details are actually incorrect. And Paul is able to discern that. He's able to discern because he knows his God well. So he's received a revelation. He's interpreted it. And then he's applied it. And that's exactly what we need to do with the words that we receive from God. We receive a revelation. But then we move on. It might be a word, a phrase, a scripture, a picture, an impression from the Spirit of God. But then we interpret it. What does this mean? Who is this for? But then we apply it. Am I meant to go and do something with this? Or do I just keep it to myself? You see, in 1 Thessalonians in 5, Paul says that we're to test everything. And he said that straight after whatever you receive from the Lord. And then he goes on, but test everything. For we know in part, he said in 1 Corinthians, and we prophesy in part. But here's what's really important. As we sift out the good from the not so good, we need to be careful that we don't quench the Holy Spirit. Next week, Luke is preaching on quenching of the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Friends, we should never be putting God's words aside for fear of what they might mean or because of past experiences. We should open ourselves up to people who love us, who care about us, who you're already in relationship with, who know their Bible and you know that they have your best interests at heart. But please don't ever push God away. Ask yourselves the question, does this line up with the Bible? Is it encouraging and strengthening? Does it confirm something that I already know? The times that somebody has said something to me that they say they've received for me and it's confirmed what's already going on. That is a great sign that that's from God. If it's a, whoa, I've never thought of that before or yeah, that's out of the blue for me, then don't just reject it. But as I say, it's not my turn. Put it on a shelf because maybe at some point it might become relevant, but hold it with an open hand. Maybe a good way to look at it is chew on the meat and spit out the bones. Chew on the meat, Agabus. Agabus gave the meat, but the bones were not there. It wasn't right. Chew on the meat. And how do we know whether what's meat? Same passage that Paul is talking about, about prophecy. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. That's a whole other sermon about speaking in tongues, which I have preached on in this church a few years ago. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their, here's the key, strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. If somebody has given you a word for strength, for encouragement, for comfort, then praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
That is a great lens or filter to listen to it through because I can promise you that the voice of the enemy is not strengthening, it is not encouraging, and it's not comforting. It's a lie and it seeks to destroy, to kill, and to pull down and make you feel worse about yourself. And so if somebody comes with a, quote, word of the Lord, and it is not strengthening, encouraging, and comforting, and not in align with Scripture, then please feel free to spit out everything. No meat, all bones. Spit it out. Solid fat, unless you're on keto, and that's a good thing. Bad analogy. Spit it out. Notice as well that Paul talks about it being edifying to the church. Who prophesies edifies the church. And then later on, who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. This edification is really, really important. It's not about predicting the future. It's more about how to live now in preparation for what may happen. If an unbeliever, an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, They are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. Let's just pause here for a second. Because I've I've gone very quick over some teaching so far, but I just want to pause just for a second. What this scripture is saying is that if we come to church and come to life ready to contribute, that we position ourselves and we're dedicating ourselves to hear from the Lord, eagerly desiring to do so, If we spend time in the word, we spend time in prayer, then we go into our world and we come into the church family ready to contribute something that God has given to us. By doing so, notice that God is lifted up, that Jesus is lifted up, and those that don't know him are pointed towards him. Because we don't live in a world of encouragement. We don't live in a world that builds up and strengthens and comforts and cares. We live in a world that hates, that tears down in the, in, in, with the idea if we're tearing down that somehow we're building a better future. It is easy to tear down. It is difficult to build up. But for us as Christians to be able to build up in such a way where we're giving other people who don't know Jesus... Encouraging, comforting words. They could be listening to you, encouraging them, and you might be speaking pure Bible to them, and they might not ever know. Because as you're reading the Psalms, as you're reading the Word of God, and as you are speaking this out because you feel like the Lord has told you to do so at that moment, then actually it becomes a wonderful point of worship for them. And if we did that in church, see, that's the kind of church that I believe God is calling us to be. And that's exciting when you see people proclaiming, God is really among you. Now, you might have had an experience where God has given you such a specific word. I've been in meetings. I've been in situations with non-Christians where God has given somebody a specific word to them. And I've shared this, my own experience of this as well. That's different. That's like a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. But even just to proclaim the joy and the comfort and the strength of God to somebody who doesn't know him, that's powerful. Everybody giving and receiving words. Because remember, and I quoted this last week, when you come together, each of you as a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. 
this pointing people to Jesus. And Paul said in the same passage to weigh things carefully. Weigh things carefully. Is it biblical? Is it encouraging? Is it strengthening? Is it edifying? Is it building up? Is it about the person giving the prophecy? Or is it less about them and more about Jesus who they're pointing to? These are all things that mature believers can listen to and filter these words through. For God is not a God of disorder but of peace. As in all congregations of the Lord's people, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. This is the, somehow has become the baseball bat verse for bashing down anything that might seem odd. Let's just camp out over here, pure doctrine, pure orthodoxy, that's where we're going to be. Because, you know... We wanted things done in an orderly way. Can I just say, I kind of, I wish we could test this a little bit. Not test the scripture before you stone me. When have we not done something in an orderly way? Have you thought about that? Look, I mean, look at us. We're beautifully orderly. We, we've nailed this. this. This is like five star, got it. I just feel like maybe, I'm not saying therefore we should do things disorderly. You know I'm not saying that. But I am, I kind of wish that we could test this part of the verse a little bit, sometimes. I've been in verse, I've been in churches where somebody stood up and yelled at me. I'm not encouraging it, but I've been there. I've had somebody stand up and throw one of the pew Bibles at me. No joke. Bad aim, praise the Lord. I've had people open the back door of the church and lob stones at us. Remember that in real? Like, good aim, because they were younger. Younger people, better aim. Older people with Bibles, poor aim. Praise the Lord. I've been in disorder. Do you know what happens when you're in disorder? It gives you an opportunity to bring it back to the order of God in that moment. That actually, you suddenly feel like, wow, we are in a battle. Now, I'm not encouraging disorder before any of you tweet me. I'm just saying we've got this part sorted. But maybe we're just so obsessed with things being orderly that we miss out on all the beautiful things that could happen. Does it always happen on Sunday morning? No. The ideal place for spiritual gifts to be shown is in community groups where there's beautiful relationship and there's room to fail. There's room to be an agabus. And that's okay. Maybe in a community group. So how does this work? Let's just finish with this. Well, it's often all about just quietening down long enough to listen. Maybe you have the Bible. Maybe it's in your time with the Lord. Maybe you just give yourself space where you can actually ask of God, what is it you want to do? What is it you want to say? Is there anything you want to show me? And maybe you don't start off with other people in mind. Maybe it's just that moment where you just say, Lord, what do you have for me today? Maybe you're reading the scripture. This is something very much part of my life. I read passage. I follow a Bible reading plan. But if there's a verse that jumps out, I highlight it. At the end of my Bible reading, I go back to the highlighted verse and I read all the highlighted verse. And if there's one in particular that seems to resonate with me that day, I write it in my journal and I ponder it. Lord, what is it you have for me in this scripture? Sometimes it's not for me. Maybe it's for someone else. What comes to mind? What does it mean? Who is this for? When is this for? I've made this mistake. I've had a word from the Lord 
and I've gone, and the timing has been poor. The timing has been poor. We need to ask that question very sensitively and carefully. And then we deliver the message. Please do not say, God said. It's damaging, arguably unbiblical. It's manipulative at times. People use that, especially young people. Well, I really feel like God has told me to do this. And what it is, is I want to do this, and I'm going to apply a big, I, God told me to do it on top, because you can't say anything against that, can you, pastor or mum and dad? Just be careful with, with saying that. It's okay to say, I have a sense. Maybe God is saying, would you think about this? I received this when I was praying. It's very humble then. So come with humility, but with courage. Maybe ask them, will you take this to God? Will you maybe write it down and then in your own time, see whether this is for you? See, there's a humility that is powerful. And then I want to finish by saying this. This is not just for church. Be sensitive throughout the day. Be sensitive as you go about work. Have you ever, and I I often do this, I'll be walking along somewhere, Mission Creek, and I'll see somebody coming, walking towards me, and maybe they're a ways off, and I'll actually be praying or whatever anyway, and I'll say, Lord, is there anything you want me to pray for for that person? Can I tell you the hundreds of times I've walked past somebody praying for them and they've not even known it? Just be there. Just be ready to receive. There have been many times when I've prayed for people and it's been a shock to them. Can I pray for you? No. All right. I win anyway because as soon as I leave, I'm going to pray for you. But, you know. But that's what Christianity is about, going into the world. Ministers of reconciliation. We just read it. And this is a large part of it. Let's not shy away and quench the spirit because of it being a little uncertain. I trust so many in this church to receive and to contribute in beautiful ways. And as Paul said, let's eagerly desire to do that. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say, I'm going to say goodbye to people online. I'm going to pray for you. And whether you're watching at the 9 a.m. or the 11 a.m., uh, we're so grateful you've joined us. And uh, please look at the website. So you can see everything's going on. If you want to give to the church, you can do so with one of the buttons that are above. Uh, we would love that and appreciate that. And, um, and then register for next week. What we're going to do here, I'm going to let you guys know this as well, is we're going to spend some time listening to the Lord. I'm going to ask Sarah to come and lead just quietly. And Jared, you can come up as well. And it might be that you receive a word that isn't for anybody here, and that's okay. But just to quieten ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything you have for me right now? Is there anything you have for someone else right now? That's always a good thing to do. It's always a good thing to do. So God bless you. We love you. We miss you. Hopefully we're going to see you very soon. And uh, let me pray, and then we'll start quietly worshiping. Dear Lord, we're... We're grateful for your word. We're grateful, Lord, that you speak to us powerfully through the Bible. And Lord, we submit and humble ourselves before that. We want to be Bible-first people. And Lord, I also am very grateful that we as Christians, as believers, are filled with your spirit. Lord, you are resident in us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would become a church, a people 
who were continually sensitive, continually asking, continually seeking, Lord, your will and your way in every circumstance that we go into. Lord, I pray that just as we read earlier on in the service, that we really would be ministers of reconciliation. Lord, we would go into our worlds, all our circles, representing you well, Jesus, being bold to speak when called to do so. And Lord, let us be a church family where we come and contribute and champion and encourage and strengthen and comfort that, Lord, we would seek that out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that all this is possible. Because, Lord, you first sought us out. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you.